Praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, what a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. I find strength here. How about you? Amen. There are so many opinions and so much going on in the world today. Good is evil, and evil is good. But you come to the house of the Lord, and everything becomes understandable according to His Word. Amen. It's forever settled, and it's not debatable. It's not something we, you know, wonder what it's going to be like today or tomorrow. Uh, but it is forever settled in heaven. And I am so thankful uh, for the Word of God. I'm thankful that I'm a part of a group of people that love the Word more than anything else. Amen. It's a conviction with us. It's not a convenience. It's a conviction. And living for God is not, uh, it's not always convenient, you know, to do what your flesh wants to do and uh, just your spirit may want to do. But yet, uh, the commitment allows us to stay within the parameters of God's Word, and that's where the true peace is. That's where we get comfort, and I am so thankful to be a part of a great church. Aren't you? Clap your hands to the Lord if you feel that way. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. There, there are some needs, and I'll just ask you to pray for these uh, throughout uh, the evening tonight and maybe tomorrow as well. Uh, Sister Morgan had a bad allergic reaction uh, let's pray for her. She sent me a picture, and she looks pretty rough. I was going to put it on the screen and say Dave put it up there, but I'm not going to do that. I'm afraid of Dave. No. <laughs> Amen. I'm just kidding. Uh, Brother Carmen had surgery yesterday, and uh, he will have to have another surgery. They did take the stent out. Uh, he wasn't the most happy this uh, person today, but uh, he is going to have to go back, and they're going to do some more consultation. Uh, so pray for him. Uh, also, uh, Sister Carmen is having major dental problems uh, with a nerve in her tooth in, her, in one of her teeth, so let's pray for her. Uh, Sister Kathy is still in the hospital. Talked to her yes, last night, and she's hoping to be out by tomorrow, uh, but no guarantees there. Sister Hannah's grandmother uh, is not in good shape. They have uh, called for the family to come in and say their goodbyes. So let's remember the, uh, the roadies and the, uh, that, that entire family. Amen. God is uh, so faithful, isn't he? Praise God. Good to see Jim and Cindy Holloway with us tonight. They're our guest of honor. Praise God. We love and appreciate them. All of our visitors, let's welcome all of our visitors that are here tonight. Praise God. Amen. And we're going to get right into the Word uh, this evening. I... Uh, uh, began a lesson last week on preserving our landmarks, and we're going to continue on with that uh, tonight and then probably a little bit more uh, next Wednesday as well. In the last, uh, the way I ended the lesson last week was how, what, who have you learned your life lessons from? And I, th I think whenever we get convictions and we establish our way of thinking and our beliefs, it's very important for us to go back to who taught us those things. And, uh, you know, what are they based on? Is it by, you know, generation? Is it by, you know, tradition? Is it, uh, you know, uh, a matter of convenience uh, for yourself or maybe for someone else? Is it a matter of just, you know, that's all you know, so that's what you believe? And I think that it's, it's extremely important for us to go back to the roots on where, uh, you know, where we have learned what we have learned. Why, why the, the things that we believe and the culture that we live in, uh, the, the passions, the convictions that, that we have, I think it's very important that we go all the way back to the beginning of when that uh, was established in our heart. And, and 
probably the way I ended it last week, and I'm going to kind of uh, carry on with that, is the character of the person teaching the uh, the, the truth, if you will, the, the quote-unquote truth. Uh, who, who was it that taught you that? How did you hear about that, that, uh, that teaching? And so we left off with 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 13, and I want to go back uh, to that, and I'm going to launch off right here, and then we'll go, go from there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 13 says, For such are false apostles, uh, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And so to me, that, uh, that is, uh, makes me aware that even though you're in the church or you're around good people, uh, there, are, there are folks that are not in the truth teaching the Word of God. Now, let me say this. I, I really felt that I, I ought to share this just because somebody may not be biblically based, and I'm not talking about your opinion, I'm not talking about my opinion, but when you open the Word of God and then you match up what they say to the Word of God, does not mean that they are evil or they are satanic or they're demon-possessed. You know, sometimes, you know, it's very easy uh, when somebody, we can see it in our culture right now with what happened yesterday and the day before, I mean, it's just, you know, if somebody doesn't believe, you know, uh, what I believe, if they're not saying what I say, then it goes on attack mode, and then everything is blown out of proportion. On both sides, it can happen. And I think it also can happen in the church where we, you know, we exaggerate the belief or the lack of understanding of a, of a truth, and then, you know, almost like they become our enemy just because they don't speak the same thing that we're speaking. That's not the case. Now, and we're going to find out at the end of this scripture that the Lord is very serious, uh, or uh, uh, the next scripture that I read, that he's very serious about the truth of his word. But that does not make that person uh, a, a vile person. They may be very, very well-intentioned, but yet uh, they may just be wrong in certain areas of their, of their belief system, okay? Uh, let's look at verse 14. It says, And no marvel... For Satan himself. Now, Paul is talking about somebody that is used by the enemy here. Okay, that doesn't mean everybody that doesn't believe what we believe is uh, being influenced by the enemy uh, solely. Now, in, indirectly they are, but that doesn't mean that they're you know just trying to listen to the devil and then say something opposite or something that's not true of what we know as as being truth. But it says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. All right? Now, this is the deal with Satan, and we all understand this. He was and he is an angel. All right? That's where his basis is. Whenever you begin to uh, talk about Lucifer and Satan and Beelzebub, whatever uh, name you give him, the name angel does not come to my mind. When I think of angel, I think of Gabriel and Michael and, you know, the, the angels that are holy, that bow before the Lord, and, and they, are, they are just uh, uh, just holy, if you will. But when you look at, at, at Lucifer, there are some things that begin to come out. He's a messenger of information. And, boy, that information is being pumped out today in the world. 
I mean, there's all kinds of stuff being pumped out into the world and uh, hopefully not too much in our homes and our cars. But, you know, you can't help sometimes to hear that that message. But he is a messenger of information. He's a missionary of knowledge, his desire. And, that, and now you can see the the liken, likeness here of the of angels of the Lord versus the angel of darkness. He is also a missionary of knowledge. He is always uh, trying to propagate his message and tell other people about uh, his distorted way of, of looking at things. In fact, he always has a, a twinge of truth, if you will, or he's a copycat to the things of God, and he will transform them from being, you know, what God said was good and was supposed to be good, he'll manipulate it and change it and transform it. Before you know it, you don't really recognize it for what it was in the intentional purpose of God and is an evil thing. So he's a messenger, uh, a missionary of knowledge. He's a mediator of wisdom. He will try to use logic and he'll try to infiltrate into our thinking things that may sound good, uh, it may make sense, but when you get to the root of it, it's, it's evil, and it's based on uh, things that are not, not biblically based. Uh, he's a dispatcher of news, and he's a communicator of a message. That is Lucifer himself. Now, the fact is, he's a He's, uh, he's uh, a messenger of, of, of evil and darkness. That's who Lucifer truly is. And so in him, there is no light at all. None. He, he has no light. He has no good in him. So his, his purpose, uh, whether, you know, at the beginning trying to woo somebody and influence them and, and maybe come as an angel of light, and make it look like, you know, he's there to help them and, and prosper them. But, but really, at the root of who he is, there is no light in him at all. Now, I fear Satan's ministers have also moved into a, a, a realm of being used by him. And, and again, I'm not saying they, all of them intentionally want to be a messenger of Lucifer. I don't believe that. If, they, if that was the case, I think that they would be, you know, uh, satanic ministers. I think they'd be, they'd be uh, joining the, the church of, of, of Lucifer if they were really in, intending to be that. But unfortunately, with the, you know, maybe impure motives or allowing things to come in that, that ought not to be, uh, you know, and, and allow uh, things to take place, they become influenced by the enemy and he starts to take over and they become a, a minister of, of the enemy. Now, this is what happens and this is what I fear is that because of their, you know, coming as uh, voices of light and they, they uh, have the big crowds and they have a really good message, it, it sounds uh, attractive. I I'll be honest with you. I like motivational speakers. I, I enjoy uh, hearing people that are that are positive, that you know, really, uh, you know, kind of coach you along and and make you feel good about what you're doing. And and I enjoy that myself. In the flesh, I love to be uh, uh, spoken to in a motivational way. But what happens? The the problem is here is that that the truth is being uh, uh, taken out, or the landmarks that we're talking about uh, in these weeks' Bible studies are are being transferred and change to where you don't recognize what it used to be like. Now, I'm not saying back in the 50s or 60s or 70s or 20s, but I'm talking about what it used to be like in the, in the Word of God, okay? I'm going back to God's Word on the truth of, of what is truth and what is right and uh, what is uh, proper as far as the Word of God goes. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 16. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask... 
before the old paths. Where is the good way? All right? This is a pretty good, you know, uh, scripture that I, I enjoy, you know, just kind of uh, meditating upon and, and maybe reminiscing about uh, just the old path and, and, and concentrating on what this scripture is really saying as far as what the old path, path is. I think the, the buzzword of the day uh, and the excuse some use for abandoning the old landmarks of our fathers uh, that has been set is the, the word relevant. Sometimes we hear the, the word relevant. I, I want to be relevant in society. I want to make sure that we are, you know, we're relevant with, uh, with the world. And so I, you know, new advances, new insights, new findings, new ways, new means. All right. Now, if relevant means to be up to date with uh, techniques and technology, then I'm all in. I want to be a part of that. I want to make sure that we are relevant. I want to make sure that we are connected. I want to make sure that, you know, what we have uh, at our church is, is you know, uh, up to date, that we're not uh, out of date and we're not able to communicate properly or we're not able to keep up with what is really out there. But if it means to be like the world, then I'm out. I don't want anything to do with, if it takes me being relevant to be worldly or to be like them, then I, for one, and I'm just, you know, I'm just going to tell you, I am not wanting to be a part of that relevancy. You can check me out. You can count me out. I want nothing to do with that type of relevance. But if it is to allow the gospel to be carried in a greater way, if it's, if it's uh, about being able to effectively communicate the things of God, then I'm in. I want to be a part of that relevancy. Now, for ages, men have sought to justify all the change in the name of being relevant or being more connected with our society. Uh, landmarks tell a story, don't they? We, we found out last week, and if you weren't able to listen uh, last, uh, last week, I'd encourage you to listen to that uh, lesson online because it lays a foundation of what I'm talking about tonight. You may have a greater understanding of where I'm coming from by listening to last week's lesson. But for ages, men have uh, sought to justify all the changes in the name of, of just kind of uh, uh, relating to what is going on. But, but landmarks, they tell a story. They, 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 they let us know. They mark the boundaries. They're, they're able to show the uh, inheritance. And, and I'm going to prove tonight in Scripture that this isn't just a, a whim of a passage trying to hang on to a conservative, conservative way. That is not what this is about, but I'm going to go back to the Word of God that it is also not, not only written in the, the Old Testament, but it's also a message for the church today. There's no timetable on it. It's not a, you know, well, this is going to expire within 100 years or 200 years. There's no expiration date on God's Word. Amen? When you're talking about the principles of God's Word, there is no expiration date. You know, society can change, there can be ups and downs, there can be cultural shifts, all these things can just kind of uh, move in different ways, but when it's all said and done, the Bible does not change. It, it, it crosses every culture, it crosses every generation, it crosses everything to where, you know, uh, uh, just because we don't recognize it as much does not mean that it's not relevant for today. Amen? You want to talk about relevancy the Word of God is relevant. I'll, I'll turn it around here. You know, I'll use their, their word and say, well, you know, that may, we may not be as relevant to the, 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 the look of the, of the world, but when it comes to the church, I feel pretty relevant. 
I feel pretty safe when it comes to the, the church and the Word of God. And I would rather look at it from that vantage point, right? Why do we turn it around and we look at it from the world standpoint? Why not turn it around and say, what does the Word of God have to say? What is the purpose? What is the reasoning for the things that we do, that we, ta- that we teach, that we try to hang on to? What is the purpose in that? Amen? So we're, we're gonna, I'm going to turn it around a little bit uh, tonight. So I want to hear... I want to hear from our elders. I want to hear their testimonies. I want to hear where they came from. I, I, want to, I really do want to get a, a full grasp to where we don't forget where we came from. And if we don't talk to our elders, if we don't let them, them speak, and I know as you get older, you become a little bit, you know, uh, maybe not as in the, in the know. You know, just kind of you start feeling that a little bit, even though I'm in my 40s. Amen. I am in my 40. I'm not 50 yet. And then when I'm 59 years old, I'll be saying, church, I'm in my 50s. (laughs) But as you get older, you just kind of you feel a little bit less connected uh, with the mainstream of what is going on in the world today. And so I do understand that that mindset. But uh, but that doesn't matter. We still, the elders are extremely important, not just in word, but also in deed, also in listening to what they have to say. We can say we honor elders and we, we thank God for them all we want, but if we don't listen to them, if we don't allow them to speak into our lives, do we really honor what they stand for? Are we willing to preserve the, the, the landmarks that they have set or that they established or that they at least maintained all those years? Amen. We ought to give them credit for doing that. I don't want to be the church that drops the ball that says, well, that landmark's not necessary anymore. This one's not. And so under my watch or under my, my generation's watch that we just kind of uh, let things slip by and just fall to the side. I don't want to do that. I want to be a generation that says, hey, next generation, I'm going to pass down to you what I was given, and it is preserved, and it is right, and it is holy unto the Lord. Amen. And so as we, as we begin to, to look at these things, the elders come to mind, and I, I think that we need to honor them and make sure that we, we listen to what they have to say as well. Uh, do I want to go back to, you know, the hard pews? Nope. Do I want to go back to no AC? Absolutely not. Do I want to go back to when there was no drums, no bass guitar? No way. I'm not, you know, I remember uh, growing up in church, and we got our, our first drum set, and it was a pastor, Brother Evelyn, that actually uh, played the drums. He wasn't very good, uh, you know, he wasn't the, like the drummers today, but at least it was something to bang on. You know, you could keep a beat with it that wasn't the on beat, it was the off beat, right? <laughs> Do I want to go back to that? No, I, I, I really don't. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but, but I want you to know that some things do kind of uh, prog- progress. That doesn't mean they're bad. doesn't mean the, the past is bad. But, you know, I don't want to go back to, to those ways of, of doing things. I love air conditioning. I love uh, padded chairs. I, I love the, uh, the comforts that we're in right now as long as they don't uh, overcome us and keep us from being uh, worshipers unto the Lord. But I'm speaking of significant revelations about the power of God that moves upon people, amen, that's been separated from the world that we live in. All right? It's what has birthed the apostolic church. And I, I've been thinking about this. You know, we, we always talk about how we love to be apostolic. 
We love to be apostolic Pentecostal. You know, we love to be identified as apostolics. And, and so that's our identity, you know. But why would we want to let go on our identity? Other religions don't let go of theirs. I mean, there's a fight. They're, they're you know, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, I- Muslims, the uh, Islam religion, the, the, uh, uh, the um, Mennonite, Midi- uh, Mennonites, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, Jehovah's Witness, they all have their tradition. They have their cultures. But, but I think that we as apostolics, we ought to hang on to our culture. Amen? That's what we're known for. How are they going to identify us if we're not known as that? Amen? I, you know, I, I, I want whenever we walk into a, a, a place that, that we're identified for who we are. I'm not here to cast any kind of stones at all to anybody, but I do know that we have to preserve what and who we are. Amen? All right. Now, these are the other things I think are very important, and I'm not just talking about uh, the outward, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a moment, but I think that there are some things that we believe, and if we start letting go of, of different areas, then it becomes a slippery slope. And, and if you say, well, no, there's some things I wouldn't compromise on, I wouldn't let go of, yeah, I've heard that many times. I've heard that many times. Many times, and years later down the road, uh, repentance really isn't, you know, is it really necessary uh, to just pour your heart out to God? Is it necessary to turn away and, and uh, you know, and just, uh, just to, uh, set, to bring forth fruit of repentance? Is that really necessary? Do we have to uh, uh, cause somebody, does the, the level have to be so high that they've got to jump through a hoop that high that they literally have to show that they've changed? Hey, that's what repentance is. Now, you know, we can water it down and we can, you know, try to make it comfortable as much as we can. But at some point, we've got to understand repentance is not a beautiful thing. Amen. Repentance is death. I don't know of any death that's a pretty thing. I don't know of any anything that dies that is uh, inspirational, makes you feel good, uh, you know, just uh, watching it. But whenever something dies or somebody dies to their sins, uh, there is a death that takes place. And so you understand what I'm saying? If we start letting go on what the Word of God says repentance is, then we're going to lose what true repentance is. And we won't be able to progress. And, and those who let go on different things and different messages, the problem is if there's not a true repentance going on, then there's probably not going to be baptism that's going to take place after that. What's the point? You know, I, I don't feel like getting, I didn't feel like dying to myself. I, I didn't feel like making a, you know, a, a real commitments to the Lord and being really abhorrent, uh, abhorrent on the things that I've done before. So why should I get wet? Why should I go through, through the trouble of, of making a spectacle of myself? I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So then all of a sudden that's taken away. Or how about the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the outpouring in the, the second uh, chapter of Acts that took place that we know took place in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. And, and these are just the acts of the apostles. How can we say that, well, I don't know if you really have to speak in tongues anymore. I don't think that that's really a part of the plan. Yes, the Bible says that it is. It's for whoever Whosoever will. The promise unto you and to your children, to them that are far off, as many as the Lord our God should call. So that message has not changed. But whenever you start losing your identity and who you are, then all of a sudden you start letting go of a lot of different things. 
How about this one? And this is the one that a lot of people think of when you start thinking about, you know, these boundaries and that. Living a holy life separated from the world. Dressing modestly, men and women. Not just our women, but also our men. What is wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. See, I'm going to turn the tables here. Does that offend you to dress modestly? Is that a bad thing? No, it's not at all. It's uh, the right thing to do. So we are being separated unto the Lord. How about uh, staying away from worldly places? Amen? Why do we need worldly places? Why do we need to uh, spend our time at worldly places? I'm going to turn it back on somebody else that wants to say, well, what's wrong with it? I'm going to say, well, what's right with it? Amen? I'll just turn it, turn it around. How about uh, in our uh, uh, identity in male and female? How about in, in uh, hair and dress? How about altering your appearance with uh, uh, makeup and jewelry and all these things? What is the point? If we don't hang on to these identities, we will lose the landmarks. We have to make sure that we preserve the landmarks that's been handed down. Is it just for the rule's sake? No, it's not. Is it just for the identity? That's part of it. I think it really is. In fact, I, I believe that if we're a part of the apostolic movement, that we ought to be identified with the apostolic movement. Amen? And so these are the landmarks I think that we need to, to hang on. So each generation has their ways or maybe their new ways or new ideas that might come on the scene. But times change. We know that. Things and people change. Music changes. Styles change. But there are some things that ought not ever to change. Amen. And that is being separated unto the Lord. That's what true holiness is all about. It's not just following a bunch of rules. If that's what it's all about, then you're law. you don't get it. I mean, you're, it, it's just foolishness. Somebody that is all about a bunch of rules and you're trying to keep score and all that, then you've missed the whole thing. Amen? You don't get it. You've not been taught properly. You, you don't understand what true holiness is. True holiness is being separated unto the Lord. It's being holy unto Him, not to a brother, not to a sister, but says, God, I want to be holy unto you. I want to be a part of your church. I want to make sure that I'm connected to you, that I please you and not man. Amen. But the key is, I think, that we need to understand that these landmarks are extremely important. And if we start messing with them, you know, if we start, you know, uh, uh, saying, well, that's not important for me, might be for them. Well, if it's important for them, then you ought to abide by it to where you're not a distraction to anybody else. Amen? You ought to be a part of it to where you're not, you know, it may be something that other people really, really, really need. Well, as a body of believers, we ought to be a part of that. Amen? To where we're not going in all kinds of different directions, but we're preserving the landmark that has been given. Now, there should be some boundaries, stone set, that are very, very deep in our lives and in our church, uh, churches that, that, uh, that we remain sure and steadfast in everything that we do. Now, as leaders, as future leaders, we have a responsibility to pass this on to the next generation, things that make us who we are. This is, this is I'll be honest with you, this is what our youth pastor right now is teaching our young people. I want them to be instilled 
with these principles. I want them to know from an early age, these are the boundaries. These are the, these are the landmarks that we have that keep us who we are. This is why we can have apostolic on our sign out, outside is by who we are. We believe in repentance. We believe in baptism in Jesus' name. We believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. All these things matter. We believe in one God. His name is Jesus. Amen? Those are our apostolic foundational core beliefs. Now, truths set deep in the earth that remains uh, established with these, with these boundaries. And so whenever they're established deep, when they're, they're talked about, you know, uh, and they've got to be talked about. We, we have to do that. If we don't, if we don't have the, uh, uh, the, the boldness or the, the wherewithal to talk about them, then we will lose it. Uh, you know, I, I am saddened by my, uh, my family when we went to Michigan to be with them, and I, I love my family uh, a whole lot. But, but you know what? The kids don't even know what the mom and dad used to know. They don't, you know, because it's not talked about. You know, and that bless their heart. God's going to do a work and bring them back. But, but in the meantime, what's happening is that next generation doesn't even know wh- who they are. They don't know what their mom and dad were, what they were taught their whole life. They, it's, it's a generation that's been uh, just completely left in the dark because the things are not talked about. There's not a teaching that goes on. There's not an understanding of what this is the, the precious word of God. These are the, the things that are being passed down, and, 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 and we've got we've to savor them. We've got we've to appreciate them. We have to nurture them along to make sure that they don't die. Amen. Let's go to 2 John chapter, uh, 2 John verse number 8. Uh, we're just going to read a few verses in this short little book. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it up. We're going to read through verse number 10, and I'll, I'll break it up uh, one verse at a time. It says, look, look to yourselves that we, may, that, that we loose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I want to look at the word wrought. Wrought, it means to extend, expend labor and exertion. It means to forge and shape cold steel. So, I mean, there's a, there's a real working going on here. It's to bring in to a desired form by cutting, by hammering, uh, scraping, pressing. So that word wrought here means that what we have was not given to us in a haphazard manner. It wasn't a casual thing that, that our forefathers, that, you know, while they're having rotten tomatoes and eggs and sometimes worse than that, just for being different, just for not being like everybody else because they forged a, a different way. And I'm telling you, now some motives may not have been right, but these people, their motives, I mean, they were purified. They, they had to go through being different. They had to go through the, the mockings. And whenever the Holy Ghost would move in and in those uh, tent meetings or, or the, you know, the early years of just uh, people seeking after the things of God, that was not normal. That was out of the ordinary. People weren't used to that. They weren't comfortable with that. You know, in our, in our city, you know, people that hear about the Holy Ghost and, and we start talking the lingo of, you know, God's Spirit being poured out, you know, sometimes they're uncomfortable with that. I, I remember knocking doors and uh, just we went door to door and said, 
you know, we're asking people, is there anything you'd like for us to pray about? We were just trying to serve our, our community. And I remember many times just getting, you know, maybe not the door slammed. I think a couple of times that actually happened. But just that real, you know, I've got my own, you know, that I, I priest I go to. I don't want, you know, anything to do with what they're really saying. And, and it was very closed off. And, and that's in the, the modern day that we live in where, where everybody has a relative or a friend that has the Holy Ghost. I mean, when you really think about people that, you know, it's more acceptable today. But in that day back then, they were willing. The Lord gave them some, some lines of separation that said, I mean, God was literally saying, if you want to preserve what you have, if you want to be holy unto me, if you want my spirit to move in your services, if you want your, my glory to fall upon you, you better not be like the world. You better not be like the world. I want you to be my people. I want you to be separated unto me. I've called you out. You're the, you're the ecclesia. You're the, you're the church. You're the called out ones. You're not, you're not the you know, blend in ones, but you are the called out ones. And that's what I am talking about. Not only in the way that, that we go about our everyday Christian disciplines, but also in our doctrine, in our beliefs, and in what we know is the, 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 the tenets of the faith. These things are extremely important. So what's been passed down from one generation to the other, they were wrought. They were worked at. They, were, they, were, they, they went through many uh, uh, moments of, of, should I compromise? Should I let up on these things? But they said, no, I can't do that because I like what I feel. Sometimes we take for granted what we feel. Sometimes we take for granted that we've got a great church. We, we take for granted that we've got great people. Hey, that doesn't happen because we're great. We're not a great church because of who we are. We are a great church because of who He is. Amen. We are separated unto Him. And it doesn't just happen that way. You know, you might say, well, I don't think all that stuff is necessary. Oh, I beg to differ with you. Just try to remove a lot of that. You'll, you'll see what, what you've got left over. We've got to preserve who we are. And I wasn't going to preach like this, but I really feel it in the Holy Ghost tonight. I, I really feel that we've got to understand and grasp a, a hold of what the Spirit is trying to say to us. Amen. I, I'm the last one. I, I went to Gateway College. I was the middle-of-the-road guy. I wasn't the conservative. I wasn't the liberal. I was right down the middle. Now I'm probably leaning a little bit more to the right because of the way things have changed and all that. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether things change. We've got to go with the word of the Lord. Amen. And, I, and I'm, I'm laughing right now because I, I think about the times that I was, I was teased about being a stinking liberal. And now today I'm probably accused of being a, a too conservative. You know, it, it's funny to me. Because I'm, I'm thinking I'm the same guy. I haven't changed. You know, I, I'm, I'm just who I am. But yet, you see how things change? You see how the shift can take place? And so we cannot go by what culture, because culture will lull us, you know, to a place to where, you know, generations down the road, we think, well, you know, we give up here, this. You know, all of a sudden, we don't even recognize who we are. We, we're, we're not even a semblance of what we, we came from. And that is what bothers me more than anything. At least stay with the tenets of God's word. Amen. The principles of, of separation unto him. Verse number nine says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ 
He hath both the Father and the Son. Looked up the word abideth. It means to continue, to dwell, to endure, be present, remain, tarry. means you're going to stay where you're at. You're not going to alter it. You're going to just stay where you're at. That doesn't make you a weak person. That doesn't make you a person that's not true to, you know, your, your thoughts and being your own person. No, that just makes you a part of something bigger than yourself. What's wrong with that? And I'm not talking about something bigger like the world. I'm talking about bigger as in the church of the living God. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, how about verse number uh, also in the NIV Verse 9 says, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whosoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and Son. In the Amplified Version, let me read another uh, version. It says, anyone who runs on ahead of God and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, who is not content with what he, he taught, does not have God. But he who continues to live in the doctrine, teaching of, of Christ, does have God. He uh, has both Father and Son. It's pretty clear there in verse number 9. How about verse 10? It says, If there come any of you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not. Now, this, this is pretty tough here. Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that abide that abideth, uh, in him, Godspeed, is a, he is a partaker. Uh, uh, for he that biddeth him, Godspeed, is a partaker of his evil deeds. If you just bid them Godspeed, if you know they are, you know, uh, teaching or preaching a gospel that is contrary to the Word of God, you know, don't even say bye to them. Don't even say have a good day. And so I, I think God means what He says about what He's talking about here. He's saying, in other words, you need to take a stand for what you believe. Amen? Now, does that mean that we, you know, act ugly with everybody and we no, that's not what 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 is being said here. The principle is this is that we're not going to embrace another doctrine. And if it comes, you know, embracing that way of thinking or condoning that and and trying to, you know, uh, mingle with it versus, you know what, I just I'm going to have to cut myself off from this because I'm being distracted by a different message, then you know what? We got to cut it off. We got to cut it off because the most important thing is to preserve the doctrine of Jesus Christ. I, the Athenians, I, I've taught on this before, but I wanted to bring this uh, uh, to the to the church again. And Acts chapter seventeen and verse number twenty-one is where I'm going to uh, look at. But I want to talk about it. Uh, they were good people. They were people uh, without any kind of borders. They had no convictions. They did not regard their ancient landmarks. And they were uh, the ones who ended up building a statue to the unknown God. All right? They, they let go of a lot. Uh, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. All right? So that, that's Acts 17 and 21. That's what it's talking about. So they had no value to the time-tested past. Yeah, you know, that's good for the, the old fogies. That's good for that generation. You know, evidently, those principles were necessary for them, but they're not for me. I'm, I'm beyond that. I've moved beyond uh, that, that way of thinking. Uh, no worth or honor giving, given to the past generation. You know, not even, not even in deed, but also not even in word. 
They didn't even, you know, uh, regard them for what uh, they had been given. They had no honor to uh, the proven past uh, of what had brought them to the point where they were today. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for. And the more I think about it, the more I understand that, you know, and the longer I live, it's not always an easy thing to pass on to the next generation. You know, I, I took it for granted many, many, many years, you know, because I thought, eh, it'd always be there, it'd always be that, you know. But, but when, when you're leading or you're responsible, it's not that easy, you know, everybody that's just kind of following or just moving with the, the flow of what's going on, it's one thing. But whenever you're responsible and you know that, that the, the next generation receiving what you have is on you, that's a weighty matter. You know, that's not something that should be taken lightly. And I hope you don't want a pastor that takes those things lightly. I hope that, you know, when I get a little more heavy and more direct and, and more specific, that, that you're not uh, angry with me or you're, you're thinking, well, you know, he's just kind of being jerky about those things. No, I'm really not at all. I'm, I would never try to uh, be that way. And I hope you know me well enough to where that's never the case. But the, but the weight of the matter is, is that sometimes you've got to be very direct when it comes to the things of, uh, of what you feel will preserve what you have. And you almost take it to the point where you're, you know, and I'm not trying to overstate it, but it really is what it is. You're a defender of the faith. And you don't have to be a pastor or a minister to, to be a defender of the faith. Your family, your, your upcoming generations, it's all contingent on, the, on the, the lines that you are drawing today. And they're un- uncompromisable. I had mentioned this last uh, Wednesday after my mom and dad had left. Uh, I had mentioned that, you know, in our home, there was not even a, a question on, on the, the matters when it came to the teaching that, that we had in the church. There wasn't, there wasn't a matter of that. Now, you might say, well, you know, were things open? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we could debate and argue and all that stuff, but, but not with the things of the church. Not with the things that we knew was our protection. And so that wasn't even, it wasn't that it was tolerated, it just wasn't brought up. It just wasn't even an issue because it was things that, that they had an understanding would protect their family and not only the, the immediate family, but generations to come. And I, I thought, what was it that caused there to be just an embracing of the truth, Sister Mobley? You know, because I'm thinking, you know, it happened with me and I want it to happen with my kids. I want to make sure that they, they don't let go and that they don't compromise and they don't, they don't go in a different direction. Thank God they haven't, and I, I pray to God they never will. But, but the, the point is to protect their, their, their future is by protecting the landmarks and preserving the landmarks that are here today. Because once they're compromised and once a little bit is just let down or, or uh, the, the, the wall of compromise begins, then it literally, and I know you, you may get tired of hearing this, but it is a slippery slope. Once you start compromising a little bit, you think, well, you know, that's not important, so this must not be important. If that's not important, then, then pretty soon you don't have a whole lot that you can hang on to anymore. And when you really get technical about it, the next generation may take it a, a step further than what you have, and before you know it, you're, you're at a, a level where you're not even recognizing what grandma or grandpa passed down to you. You understand what I'm saying? This is a bigger deal than just, you know, what's convenient for me. You know, I talked about how we're not a, 
uh, we're not a people that live for God out of convenience. We do it out of conviction. We do it because we know this is what we want. This is the desire that we have for the things of God. And I, I do it because I am convicted about these things. I've got a heartfelt uh, understanding and, and hunger for the things of God to where I'm not going to, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to lose anything. Is, are some things unnecessary? Very possible. It's, it's very possible they might de- be. I concede that. I understand that. But I'm still not willing to just let go of them either. Amen. What may be unnecessary for me may not be unnecessary for the next generation and things that are coming along. And so personally, this is what I I really feel is very important, that we need to preserve these landmarks. Amen. We need to make sure that, and you know, I don't mean getting into the ridiculous realm. There's some ridiculous in anything, but that doesn't mean you throw everything out either, you know? Yeah, there's some crazy beliefs out there that you're like, you know, what is the point of that? What, why? You know, and well, you know, that's just uh, what we think. Well, that doesn't make it right. But these things I believe that we have in our church, we ought to preserve them with everything that's within us. Because the Athenians, what ended up happening, I didn't even get as far as I wanted to tonight. Uh, and I'm going to go on and uh, stop here if we can stand. But I want to finish with the, the Athenians. What happened, the result of the Athenians was this. The Bible says they worshiped the unknown God. And see, without the landmarks, there was nothing really familiar. You know, uh, they didn't really honestly know who they were. They didn't know really their, their past. They didn't understand, or they couldn't relate to it. Or maybe they were even embarrassed by it. You know, sometimes you talk about different things of separation, being a little bit different. It makes people mad. You know, my father-in-law, he had a great line, and I loved it. I, I've used it many, many times. I acted like it was my line, but it was really his line. I'll give it to him now that he's passed on. I'll just give him the credit now. I'm just kidding. I gave him the credit before, but not all the time. But he would turn it around, you know, and he had, he had you know, at work, uh, his wife worked there, and she was uh, the most uh, wonderful woman. I mean, she was just an incredible lady. Anybody that met uh, my mother-in-law. I mean, she was, she was something. I mean, she was anointed of the Lord and, and a very holy uh, person. And uh, he, you know, and she'd be criticized a little bit for the way that, you know, she went about her lifestyle and her Christian disciplines. And, he, and she was just harmless. I mean, she was all about loving and giving. Can't even talk about her because she was so anointed. I mean, she was a wonderful lady. And he would turn around and he'd say, does that offend you? Does that offend you that she goes about her business the way she does? And it was unoffensive. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But he'd turn around and say, is there anything wrong with the way she's, she's living? Is there anything wrong with the way that she goes about her life? Is there anything wrong with the way she dresses, the way she looks? Does that offend you? And every one of them, they, they couldn't say yes because it was un, unoffensive. But yet that spirit would come out to where they'd get angry. They'd get angry because she was just different than the world. She was different than the spirit that was propagated in the world. That's the holiness that I want to make sure that we hang on to. I don't want to hang on to rules just for rule's sake. You understand that, don't you? You understand you don't have a past that's all about rules and this and that. And I think they're important. I think it's a matter of respect. I think it's a matter of regard. I think it's very important when that that way of looking at it. 
But it's not, it's more than that. It's a matter of, of understanding the separation, understanding the identity, understanding that we are being called out of the world that we're in. And no matter how much the culture tries to reach its tentacles into the, into the church, we are still going to be the church that says, nope, we're not going to allow culture to dictate who we are. Amen. We're going to be holy unto the Lord. Amen. That's true holiness. That's loving the Lord and having a relationship with Him, understanding, Lord, I'm not doing this for pastor. I'm not doing this just for a, a group of people that I really love and I, I enjoy being around, God, but, but I'm going to do it unto you. God, I'm going to render this unto you because this is what I believe will help me in my walk with you. This is what I believe will help the body in their walk with you. And I, this is what's going to help the church be the church. This is what's going to help the church be separated, amen, and used in the last days to where people can run to the church and say, I know they're the church. I know they're not the world. I, I understand there's nothing about them that looks like the world, that acts like the world, that smells like the world, that tastes like the world. That is the called out ones, and those are the ones, we are the ones, I pray to God, that the world runs to when things start falling apart. Amen. Where they come to us at work and say, can you pray about this? I don't understand everything about your lifestyle and everything about you, but I do know one thing. you got to walk with God. You've been separated, from. they're not going to say it like this, but they know there's been a separation from the world, and we've got a relationship with Him, and we're a reflection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. They, Athenians, and I want to close with this, it was a figment. Their relationship with God or their God was a figment of their own imagination and ideas. It's what they thought, and that was their God. That was the way they looked at, at their God. And really, when you think about it, that's the that is the, the, the ways of, of man. Our, our attitudes, our outlooks, everything about us is the way we look at things. But when it comes to God, I don't want to depend on my heart. I don't want to depend on what I think, on my mind, because I can't even trust my heart. I don't even know my heart. That's what David said in Scripture. He said, Lord, who can know the heart? I don't, I don't even know who I am. I really don't know what's in there. So you better believe I don't want my view of God to be a part of my imagination and my idea and my mind and my outlook. I want to make sure that I'm a reflection of Him, and everything I do is about Him. Aren't you thankful for landmarks? Aren't you thankful for boundaries that are set? Amen. For His glory. Praise God. I'm going to stop there. I, was, I got another, uh, another lesson to teach, but I won't do that tonight. Amen. God's good, isn't He? Let's give Him a hand clap of praise. Lord, we love You. God, we thank You for Your blessings. We love You from the depths of our heart, God. Everything that's within us, Lord. We render unto you, Lord, every word that I spoke here tonight, God. I pray that it is received, Lord, in the intention, God, and the purpose that it was given. And, Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. And make sure you...